Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Amy Walker, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1991, is the founding partner of Walker Glance, a boutique accounting firm with offices in Houston and Austin. Amy's story is one of true entrepreneur spirit as she has created a firm that is dedicated to being excellent, hardworking, smart, and above all, kind. So pass it back and listen up to Amy as she shares some really good bull. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited to learn about you and your amazing accounting firm. First off, I want to say congratulations to you and your team on your Aggie 100 win. We actually got to meet face to face a couple months ago as we celebrated that celebration with you and your team. So congratulations on that. And thank you for joining us for Aggie Growth Hacks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was a, a, a nice, fun evening and, and very proud of that Aggie 100 win. It was our second, so happy about that. Well, this soon, I think you need to get a, like a, the biggest bookshelf that IKEA has because <laughs> you're going to fill that up, I especially. So. <laughs> and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But as you're as you're combining your firm and, and going through what it takes to grow a new firm and a new culture, I'm going to go ahead and say your top ten next Aggie 100 win is going to be top ten. Fingers there crossed. There you go. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Well, Amy, we all love Texas A&M. We love the time that we spent on campus as students, and that has really just shaped us as who we are as people and as professionals. What do you miss about no longer being a student at Texas A&M? I love this question that y'all ask. And since you asked a girl to be on the show, I'm going to give you a girl answer. Uh, the thing I miss the most about uh, being a student at Texas A&M is living in the Chi Omega house. For two of my four nice. years, that was my home base. That's where all of my great friends were met. Um, many of them I'm friends with to this day. You know, we would go to games together, midnight yell, start Thursday nights at the hall, doing a little two-seven and end up at Zephyr's. But it really was a home base for half of my college experience. So yeah, that's what I miss the most, being an Aggie Chi Omega. Absolutely love that. That is so cool. All right. So one of my favorite things that I get to ask on every single episode is I get to learn about your journey, your entrepreneurial journey. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your your firm, and, and really how did you come about all of that and, and what makes you so passionate about your business? Well, I'm one of those reluctant accountants. Um, I come from a generation that when your parents cover your college fees, they kind of get a say-so in, in what you're going to do with it. So I come from a family of accountants, and so I became an accountant, <laughs> mainly because my dad said, go be an accountant. Started off in big four. It was big six at the time. Uh, cut my teeth there. And, and and like a lot of accounting professionals, they will tell you that is the hardest three, four years, however long they stay. But I learned the most I had the best training there. I didn't like it and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a traditional accountant, but I didn't really know what I was talking about. Um, my second job, I went to work with a small business and that's where I found my groove. Everybody was contributing. I wasn't processing accounts payable all day. That, that, that's not what feeds me. And so I started kind of viewing myself more as an entrepreneur than an accountant. Worked hard there, probably harder than I worked at PwC. And then I took, I was fortunate enough. I took a few years off and raised my kiddos. Um, but I always knew as they were young that they were going to hit about junior high and I was going to be climbing the walls. So um, 
I was fortunate enough that there was a gentleman that had a firm. Um, he would hire stay-at-home moms that were CPAs to do the work for his firm. It was flexible. I could go into the office a few hours a week, but still take care of my primary responsibility, which was my kids. Then you layer cloud accounting on top of that. And now people have the ability to work from home and do a great job. And and the world just opened up. That gentleman, unfortunately, passed away very suddenly. And he didn't have any partners. He didn't have a succession plan. And so I had to kind of decide what I was going to do with this handful of clients. They still needed help. And he had a brilliant business plan, hiring these very smart women who had taken a pause in their career and wanted to work six hours a day. And so I kind of just ran with it. And it sounds like it happened overnight. It didn't. It took six, seven years to build. But we built a nice firm with Walker Agency with part-time employees, professionals that were also balancing that family life. It's funny that that you say that and, and that is the business model because I think that is a recurring theme that we've had throughout this year, right, right, Chris? Yeah. And and I think that COVID, you, you were doing that pre-COVID, correct? Mm-hmm. It was a and, novelty and, before COVID. And yeah, yeah, that you could get your kids on the bus and work from nine to three and get them off, go to soccer practice. Uh, it, 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 was, it was a treat. It was a benefit. But you're right, COVID changed all of that. And, and so as COVID maybe brought in acceptance to having work from a we're from home. And, and of course, there's there's a lot of articles that I'm seeing now on LinkedIn and an entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine and stuff that's talking about the challenges of people, companies wanting to bring people back. But you've built your company with that flexibility in mind. So we're going to kind of go off script. And, and let me ask you, how did you, because you were, you were cutting edge when this happened, how did you set up systems and how did you set up accountability for your workers, because your your entrepreneurs that you work for, they need their books, they need the insight that you provide, they need if if you do taxes or you do the that type of documentation for them, compliance, they need that. So it it has to be done on time, it has to be done right. So how did you set that system of accountability and communication pre-COVID? Sure. Well, there are great there are great uh, practice management systems that will do that for you. We have one now in our new firm. But at the time, we started making checklists on Google Sheets that we all shared. And it worked because the type of people that are accountants, they are box checkers, they are taskmasters. And so we call it flexible responsibility. And when you're small and it's just a couple of you, it's okay. You can trust everybody's getting it done. Get your job done. Meet the deadline. If you're not going to meet the deadline, ask for help. And we just kept building on that. I'll be honest and tell you you that you get to a certain point and that does not scale. If I had wanted to stay a lifestyle firm, we could have kept going down that path and it would have been great. But you do get to a point that another body at 25 hours a week is another computer and another seat with an app another subscription. And so your cost, it just doesn't scale. But the thing that I didn't even think was going to happen, and it's been this beautiful accident, is these were all women that were working for me. So I I never had a a man apply for a job with this old company. The beautiful thing is over the years, their kids have gotten older and 
need less and less of their attention during the day. And so they're taking on more work and many of them have grown into full-time employees. And, and that's just been the biggest blessing. So somebody that knows your system, works the way you do, believes in the things you do, they're growing along with your company. That is so cool. So as somebody that that owns an agency, a marketing agency that is completely remote, right? Mm-hmm. I've got a million questions for you because this is such a great concept. And, and in my group of people, I'm, I'm in a mastermind group with 325 other agency owners, and, and a lot of them are adamant that you have to have in person, right? That you have to be in person in order to grow your culture. So how has that affected your culture of your company? Uh, and am I correct that, that you're saying that you are still completely remote? Or are y'all? We're hybrid now. Hybrid. Um, okay. The department that I run, they call it CAS. That's a new fancy term in accounting for outsourced accounting services. They call it client accounting services. We are still remote uh, and it works. Uh, the tax side has a, a kind of a hybrid approach. Tax is a different beast and it's still, and it usually tra- attracts a younger professional because they can work the busy seasons. So they need the training. They need to be together. Um, and so being being physically together keeps everybody hitting a tight deadline and, and you also learn faster that way. But mm-hmm. we've been doing a, this hybrid summer remote, summer in office for nine months now. And our team, our, I mean, our team just crushes it. They're, they're fantastic. So, but the culture thing, we, we talk culture and core values all the time. It's woven into everything we do. Y'all probably use Slack or Teams or something like that with your company, but we're constantly praising and pointing out people, you know, when they're hitting those core values and we hear something from a client or we see a conversation, but just to keep reinforcing them that way, that's that's how we're building the culture. Interesting. I love that. I absolutely love that. Do you happen to use Slack? No, we use Microsoft Teams uh, okay. here, right? It's kind of like Slack. You, you're constantly, yeah. And we have not really built in. I, I love that, that you said that, that, that you build in, you know, when someone does something of the core values, Right then, then you praise them. I love that, and actually, I just wrote that down. Oh, good. There's this app that connects to Slack called Hey Taco, and so we throw tacos. And if you get a taco from somebody, an emoji, it alerts everybody that somebody's received a taco. And um, you know, thank you, thank you, Greg, for going the extra mile for this client. They sent me a really nice email, and so everybody gets tacos. We track them on a leaderboard. And once a month, whoever gets the most tacos gets a gift certificate for real tacos. And it's small, <laughs> but it works. And we're from Texas and everybody loves tacos. So it, it, it just took off. Only in Texas <laughs> is that a highly <laughs> motivating tool. <laughs> I know. We have a guy that lives in Michigan and he's fantastic. In the month that he won, I said, what am I going to send you? Do you? Is there a taco shop in Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> not one that, that isn't Taco Bell, but that's not Taco. Maybe so. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Good point. <laughs> well, Amy, you you talked about as as you've grown and as you um, started your agency, and and I want to get into the merger in just a second. But you've constantly been talking about the the mission and the values of the company and how that was really the glue that held you together. Um, not only before the merger, but probably in the nine months since. Uh, but tell us, what are your values? How did you come up with them? And is there an example where one of them like really stood out to you? Hey, this is this is an example why these are our, our guiding light values. 
Sure. Um, well, my partner and I spent a lot of time, my partner is Paul Glantz, and um, we spent a lot of time, we planned our merger for an entire year. And, and core values, we talked about it weekly until we finally just sat down and said, okay, these are the things that keep getting brought up. These are the things that are important. Our core values are pursue excellence, go the extra mile, show your smarts. And then the last one, which I think this is the one that ties the other ones together and, and really tells the world who we are. The last one is lead with kindness. Um, you've got to be kind to work here. You've got to be kind to be our client. Um, it's just, it, it, life is too short <laughs> not to take to take care of each other and lead with kindness. So you and Paul kind of brought those together. When you roll them out to your team, what was what was that process? How was their reaction? How, how did you work through and communicate that? Mm -hmm. We had a combined team merger last May where we all got together for the first time. Now, you have to know, we had already all been working together. Paul ran a tax practice. I ran an independent cast practice. And so we were passing clients back and forth. So this wasn't like a blind date. We all knew each other already. And so it was a very natural merger. So we got together. We, we invested the time to have a team retreat two months before the official date of our, our merger. And that's how we kicked it off. We kicked it off with, we unveiled the logo, we unveiled the colors and the core values. And then my team was used to that because I took this really cool mastermind when I first started my firm. How to? It's a group out in South Carolina called Thrival, and they are accounting advice for entrepreneurial accountants. And, and I really just found my people out there. In the first session in that mastermind, the guy that led it said, I don't care if you have just you or five people, unique core values, because it tells the world who you are, what you stand for, and how you conduct business. So my team was used to that. So they had heard our old core values. And so they bought into them. And it was great to see Paul's team. It was it was almost like pe people want that. They want to know who, who they are and who they're working for defined. And so it was just real natural. And then as we said earlier, we just reinforced them with Every decision we make, hiring, firing, taking on a new client, we have on, on Monday, we have a huddle every Monday with everybody in the company. And we have a section called the mega taco platter section, like people that have really <laughs> <laughs> celebrating people that have done really great things with our core values. So yeah, we just talk about them all the time and it's easy. It, it becomes your guidepost. Love that. I absolutely love that. So I've, I'm, we're completely going off script at this point, but I need to ask you because I, I have noticed in the past, well, we've interviewed almost 100 entrepreneurs at this point, right? And out of all of those, I would say probably 80 to 90% of these Aggie, successful Aggie entrepreneurs are on entrepreneur's operating system or at least mm -hmm. a version of you know EOS. Are you on EOS? So we I kind of stole that the best of EOS from a few of our clients. We have a, a heavy niche with tech startups and they are all about EOS. And we have a very, very large client here in Houston. And, and I would so but they're so large that we are so ingrained in that client that a lot of the people that work there think we work there. So just by osmosis, I learned how to run meetings on the EOS and how, yeah. you know, rocks and L10s and all that. So mm -hmm. we kind of halfway do it just by working with another firm. But but that's one of the things uh, that Paul and I have on our list for the next year is to officially implement it. And I think that's going to just take us next level. And EOS is if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're not on EOS, at least some version of it, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to get on that. It, even if it's just getting the right people in the right seats mm -hmm. or getting 
the level 10 meetings going and that that's just simply an agenda. Look it up online if you need to, right? And making sure that you're documenting your processes and getting the owner out of the day-to-day operations of, of mm-hmm. everything. I think that those are the three most important things that I would say in EOS. So that's pretty cool that you guys are going to roll that out. Yeah. And that meeting agenda is a game changer. It is a time uh, efficiency maker. Everybody shows up. They know what you're going to talk about. Most of the time you don't wander off of script. And if you do, people could say, Hey, let's, let's come back in. So at a minimum, the meeting agenda, especially if you're client facing, when you show up to a meeting with a client with that agenda, your professionalism is just on display. It's really great. We implemented the OS in probably about 2016. Okay. In, in our agency. And during that time frame, my, my operations manager, right, was, was very ingrained in the entire process. Okay. So she learned level 10s. She learned all of this stuff. Well, she went back to school eventually to get her master's degree. She was a student when she first started working for me. She wanted to go back to get her master's degree and, you know, go off into her chosen profession and which by the way, was not marketing. Right. And so during her capstone project, right, she was put in charge because she was a little bit older of a student and she had more experience in the workforce and she was put in charge of her capstone project. Okay. <laughs> and she texted me. She's like, you would not believe what I just did. She's like, I just told all of these students that we're going to run meetings on a level 10. They're going to learn a thing called yes. a level 10 uh, from now on. So it's really cool how that is and does make a super efficient meeting, in my opinion. It does. And then that that skill she taught those students, if they take that into their first job and they already know how to do that, man, she's giving them a leg up. That's great. Absolutely. All right, Greg, I'll turn it back over to you, man. No, so so let's let's kind of lean into that a little bit more. A- Amy, you talked about one of the biggest things that happened in your entrepreneur career happened nine months ago when you actually merged. First off, first question, why did you make the decision to merge? Because it sounds like you had you had a sweet gig. You had a, a a system that worked. You had clients that valued you. You had employees that were flexible and you were able to attract those employees and retain those employees despite, you know, I mean, how many times, Chris, have we heard getting the right people is such a challenge? Amy, you cracked that nut. So why why merge? Why why'd you do it? A lot of, a lot of people have asked me that. I just I just felt like we weren't done yet. I knew as an accounting firm, I needed to add tax to my service offerings. I had, I am not a tax person. I, I, I shared with you briefly that I've prepared them, but they bring me no joy. I get nervous around them because I feel like I don't know enough. So I knew I needed to bring that in, but I needed to trust the person that was doing it because I wouldn't be able to know if it was right or wrong and if it was a quality service offering. I had a chance to be on an accountant's council with Intuit, the people who make QuickBooks. And the first day they set me next to who is now my business partner and said, hey, you two are Texans. Y'all need to sit together and get to know each other. And then he started talking with this thick Massachusetts accent. And I was like, wait, one and one do not equal two here. He's not from Texas. (laughs) But he and his wife are transplants and he has fully embraced everything about Texas. He loves it. He even starts like our meetings when he pops on Zoom. The first thing he says is howdy. And I'm like, that's that's awesome. (laughs) So um, we got to know each other and started sharing clients. And I could see very quickly that he approached his client work the same way we did with 
very much with care, with white glove, with I'm going to take care of this client. I'm going to look for extra ways we can help them. And then he's smart as a whip. So he and his team are just really smart tax professionals. So it fit that hole that I had. If I wanted to grow more, I needed to add tax. Lo and behold, he had the same situation with the servicings that we offer. You know, they receive books from so many different bookkeeping and accounting shops that are just not great. Then he's having to have his tax professionals you know, distracted fixing books. And so it was doing real easy. Yeah, doing bookkeeping and preparing, yeah, preparing financials. So once we figured out we approach business the same way and that we both solved a need of the other person, it was very natural. I think the hardest part was just saying, okay, yes, we're going to do this. But it's been great. The hard, The hardest part, y'all, and we are like a modern tech forward thinking company, the hardest part was merging our tech stacks. We planned this mm-hmm. merger for a year and the month of July was spent, okay, how do I log into this? And who needs access to that? Just stuff you couldn't do until the day of. After that, it's just been smooth sailing. It was it was a good decision. Um, he's a great business partner. And we both knew that we were not going to be able to get to that next level as a firm uh, without adding each other's service and, and felt real comfortable with the quality of work coming from the other person. Oh, that is so cool. So so I want to nerd out on the tech stack in, yeah. ju- in just a second. But my, my my question before that is you you had mentioned that you serve a lot of technology companies mm-hmm. and a lot of technology entrepreneurs. It, was that a focus, an industry focus that you had before, that he had before? Did you share that? Did you just naturally grow into that? Who do you serve and what's the client that gets the most value out of working with you? We unintentionally niched with tech startups. I had a referral to a client. This, the startup community here in Houston is big. They have a really nice incubator downtown. And I got in with one of them through a referral. Uh, and it was just me at the time. And they were my biggest client. Uh, got in there, worked my tail off for them. And they started, they, they're all in the same building. So they just, they were like, oh, that lady knows QuickBooks. She can help you. Um, and they started, you know, passing our name around. And then we, we grow with them through their various rounds of funding. It was actually my, marketing agency that pushed me over the edge to officially say, we are an accounting firm for tech startups. Paul was already working with emerging businesses. He's in Austin. That's a very uh, progressive emerging business town. Um, He has a great expertise in tax for crypto. So we were kind of naturally gravitating towards those progressive modern type of companies. But um, yeah, those tech companies, you grow with them. They outsource everything. They're VC backed so they can pay your bills. So it's it's a nice partnership. That, so cool. That's cool. So let, let's talk about that tech stack. So yeah. when you heard, because I think that technology is disrupting a lot of companies. And I think the financial reporting and accounting industries are, is going to be one of the most disrupted companies going forward. So when you guys started looking at the different tech ac- applications that you had, was it really, hey, this is what I use. This is what you use. Which one's better? Did Was there some overlap? Did you have to learn some stuff? H- how did you make those decisions? Because that's how you that's how you do the secret sauce that you do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Luckily, we were using the same things. You know, we met on Intuit's council. So we're a QuickBooks shop. If you're our client, you were on QuickBooks online, not desktop. I mean, we're niched in the QuickBooks online space. For communications, we were both Google companies. 
select companies. That made sense. We both are partners on a council for a little payroll company called Gusto. They're not a little, it's a big company. So, you know, we were already using a lot of the same things. He's got tax specific software that he uses that I don't have to have one thing to do with and vice versa. I've got uh, FP&A software that we use that he gets to reap the benefits of it, but he doesn't have to know how to use it. So that part's been nice. Really, it's the it was the basic stuff. Like everybody needs a new email address and you need to be able to log in with that email address. And my IT guy is my son, who is a uh, an engineer from A&M and he moonlighted for us and got us through it. So we're all grateful for him. <laughs> Absolutely love that. So... All right, we've talked about core values, we've talked about all sorts of things, but but here's the biggest question of them all, right? What is your big, hairy, audacious goal? What is your five to 10 year moonshot? I thought about this ahead of time and I thought of what we want for our company is 5X in revenue. And a lot of people will default to 10X, but I think when you're in a people business and we our product is time and time takes bodies and capacity. I think 5X, we'd be thrilled with that. Um, and, and because we we very much do not want to let the quality of our product suffer just to make more revenue. We are, we are not a, a churn and burn shop. We want this to be a fantastic place for people to work, which leads me to the second one is I'm, I want to build WG Academy, which is an internal training and professional development for our people. We want that big firm feel. I, that, that's one of the benefits of the big firms. You get this fantastic training that small firms can't afford. So I want to build that out. So when you come to work for us, you know that you're going to be trained well and you're going to be given opportunities to, to grow yourself professionally. And then the last one is, is kind of selfish. I want to move like to spend 80% of my time in that managing partner role, just taking care of the team, taking care of the firm. I don't want to completely step out of client work because I like it too much, but um, I, I want to, as, as my career progresses, I mean, 10 years, I'm going to be thinking about wrapping things up. And so um, I really want to look after us and and just make this a fantastic place that people want to work, that there's a waiting line for people to want to work um, and that that we're known for great service. And and what's interesting is that uh, so I've got a, one of my mentors calls that a content university, right? What you were talking about with with your academy there, right? In in the fact that you're you're spending all this and us as agency owners, we, we spend a lot of time on this kind of stuff, right? On on external content, but we spend very little time seemingly on internal, you know, and and really bringing up the value of what we're providing to our employees as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, that's one of my rocks for this next quarter is to start is my it? content university. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you about what you're using to do that. Um, okay. I'm, I, my love language is automation. So if we can make that efficient and get it automated where, you know, it, it's easily accessible. So yeah, yeah, we'll have to visit offline about that. I've got a hack for you on that one, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that is like the best segue <laughs> rolling in when we're talking about hacks, rolling into the lightning round. But before we roll into it, let's pause for a second for a message from this episode sponsor. Okay, we're back. So, Amy, Chris has got a hack for you later. What is your favorite hack? that we can learn from. I love an app called Zapier. And if you don't use it, if you're listening and you don't use it, um, it is the glue that makes all your apps talk to each other and automate your processes. It will save you time and you will feel like a software developer. It's it's fantastic. Love it. Absolutely love that. That is, uh, uh, and, and by the way, yes, absolutely. 100% 
thousand percent, whatever. If you're not on Zapier and you've got multiple systems that you've got to tie together, get on it ASAP. Okay, Amy, what is your favorite advice that you've ever been given? And 1,991 points if you tell us how you applied it. Okay, you're going to give me points for being being honest and tell you I have I work hard at this, but the best advice I was ever given is listen more than you speak. I have to sit on my hands a lot. Mm-hmm. I have to bite my tongue a lot, but it, it, uh, listen more than you speak is the best amount of it, uh, best advice I've ever been given. You know that feeling you get where you feel like you just need to come up with an answer and mm-hmm. you just need to talk because you need to be known in the room. I think a younger professionals feel that. It is so nice to be able to just sit back, listen to the points of view, know that you don't know everything and that if you different people bring different gifts to the table. And so just through time, being patient and not feeling like I had to always talk. I, I don't have a specific example, but it's it's kind of maturing as a professional uh, to know that you don't always have to speak and that sometimes you learn the most from listening. Uh, as a secondary one, I had a, my first boss, he was hard. And if you brought him something that if you brought him anything and you didn't have a solution proposed, he would just send you right back out again. And that's kind of hard to hear as a young professional. But I did learn that proposed a solution and I still use it today. So there's your there's your bonus hack that you didn't ask for. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> Amy, what is your superpower? I think my cape has two panels on it. The first one is my work ethic. Nobody's going to outwork me. I'll go to toe to toe with the, the best of them. I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs are that way. And the second one is just a love of automation. I'm constantly after what is going to make us more efficient, more accurate. And automation is the key. Automation doesn't replace people. It gives people the brain space to use the good data that comes from automation. So yeah, that's my other superpower. All right, Amy, what gets you out of bed and excited about your business? I don't have anything real co- creative here. I mean, I love my job. I love this firm, the people that work here and, and every day. I, I just love having something of, even though I say of my own, it, it's not all me by any means, but I, I love this part of my career. I, I, I love it all. And I don't ever have any problems getting up and getting going. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I mean, entrepreneurs by definition, love what they create, you know, I am, or otherwise you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't put in the blood, sweat, tears, hours of toil, sacrifice, if you don't love what you've created, but the fact that you have expanded that to say, it's not just what I've created, but it's what the team has created. Mm-hmm. And to be able to serve your employees, to serve your clients and to help them, that's powerful M- more than more than you know. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank sure. you for being on Aggie Growth Hacks and, and dropping wisdom and, and letting us peer a little bit into what it's like to have a successful firm and then to go through a merger and then to come out on, on the other side of that stronger and better for your clients and, and your teammates. How can the Aggie Growth Hack family get in touch with you? How can we support you? How can we lift you up? We are at WGCPA.com. We are a public accounting firm in Texas. On LinkedIn and Twitter, I'm Amy Walker CPA and would love to connect there. Love it. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing everything that you've shared, all the hacks and everything that you shared with us uh, today and really learning about your entrepreneurial journey. And, and it just is really so cool. Thank you so much for coming on Aggie Growth Hacks today. Thanks for having me. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that pretty amazing or what? I know that I wrote down a whole ton of things 
What was your favorite part of that interview there, Greg? Well, Chris, I loved the conversation with Amy. It was so cool. Uh, you know, I kind of nerd out a little bit when we're talking with financiers or accounting people. What? And it was really cool to be able to hear how she has grown her company, how, how she actually decided to merge. That was something that we didn't talk about before. How do you actually find a partner? How do you merge? How do you make sure that your culture stays the same? But I think that is successful with Amy and her team because one of her core values was lead with kindness. When everything that you do leads with kindness, when that talks about the empathy that you have to have, not only with the people that you work with on your team or in your firm, but also with your clients, and then demanding that same amount of empathy from the clients to to the teammates in the firm, that is such a strong bonding glue that it is so critical. And I think that that's one of the reasons, not the reason, but one of the reasons she's so successful and one of my big takeaways. What about you? One, you know, kindness with an accounting firm is probably not typically a a core value, you know, that, that you would think of. So I think that's pretty cool. So mine was really surrounding the tacos, right? I love... <laughs> I love the tacos idea. You know, I wrote it down and then, and then, you know, how, how they give tacos, you know, to every praise as praise. Right. And, and then, and then the winner at the end of the month gets, gets a, gets a gift certificate for tacos. Actual tacos. (laughs) Yes. How cool is that? I mean, it's not a huge incentive kind of a thing, but you know, Hey, as Texans, we all love tacos. Right. And then she talked about the mega taco platter. Right. I thought that was so cool. That was such a great idea. I I wrote it down for me. it really comes back to that culture piece of, of mm. how do you build culture, right? And it's it's so hard to build culture even within, you know, an in-person environment. But when you're in a hybrid and or a a remote environment like like mm-hmm. you know me, you're constantly looking for ways to promote that culture mm-hmm. and to build that culture inside of your business. And so I I think the taco idea I'm 100% taking that and stealing that and implementing that right away into my own business and yeah. I highly recommend that if y'all are listening to this that you do it too. Well, I, I know Ross on your team is out in California and they may have some good tacos out there. Maybe you just back up some some taco cabana or torchy's tacos and overnight it to him if you win. <laughs> Absolutely. He might he might say, "Hey, I need to move to Texas." That, that's right. Well, come come on, Ross. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't know if he can handle the heat though. That's that's the deal, right? Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. Hope you liked the conversation that we had with Amy. If you're not connected with with her on social media, she talked about being on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Make sure that, that you do that. And if you're not connected to Aggie Growth Hacks, you're not connected to Chris and I, then make sure that you do that as well. Check out AggieGrowthHacks.com where you can hear this episode, all of our previous episodes, as well as some of our other great content. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, if you got anything out of it, give us a big gig and thumbs up and share and subscribe so that we can get Aggie Growth Hacks out to more people. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head on over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig'em.